I want to talk to you for the next couple of weeks out of the book of Joshua on having a Joshua heart. Joshua chapter number 1 and in verse number 9. I'm going to read one verse, but I want you to leave your Bibles open this morning because I'm going to look at several verses in this chapter. Joshua 1 and 9, the Bible says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. In our passage this morning, the children of Israel are on the banks of the river Jordan. It's been 40 years since they walked out of Egyptian bondage, but for 38 and one-half years, they have been wandering around in the wilderness in a big circle. They've been trying to find the plan of God and the will of God, but their disobedience messed them up 38 and a half years ago. And now that entire generation of rebels have, have died, and Moses has just died, and they have been weeping for Moses for 30 days. And God comes out of heaven, and he looks at Joshua, and he says, Joshua, I am going to get you to do something that nobody has ever done before. I have raised you up to take these people across the land and to conquer Canaan land. But Joshua, in order to conquer the land and accomplish the plan that I have for you, you are going to have to have something that Abraham did not have. You're going to have to have something that Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and, and Moses did not have. Joshua, you're going to have to have a Joshua heart. You're going to have to have something down deep on the inside that very few people have ever had. What is a Joshua heart? A Joshua heart is the same thing you and I are going to have and going to have to have if we are going to accomplish the plan of God for our lives and for our assembly. What is a Joshua heart? Well, it's accompanying three things. Number one, a Joshua heart is a recognized destiny. A recognized destiny. In chapter number one and in verse number two, God looks at Joshua and this is what he says in Joshua one and two. He says, Joshua, I have given unto you the land. Joshua, I have given to you the enemies. And then in verse number four, he says, when you do what I've called you to do, then you are going to divide the land among them. Y'all act like I'm making that up this morning. Look in verse number two at what it says. In verse number two of this chapter, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give unto them, even to the children of Israel. Verse three, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that I have given unto you. He said, now I have promised the land to the people, but the only way the people are going to get the land is if you do your part. It's as if God birthed Joshua 
for one purpose. Brothers and sisters, you are looking at an old-time preacher believes that there is one purpose and one reason for which every man, woman, boy, and girl was birthed into this life. My destiny, my purpose is not your destiny and your purpose. God has not called everybody to preach, but he's called some people to preach. God hadn't called everybody to serve as a deacon, but he's called some people to serve as a deacon. And you can apply that in any area that you want to. But here is the question and the issue that has got to be solved. The question is this, are you operating in the purpose for which God birthed you into this world? Here is why. Because until you operate in your purpose, in your destiny, whatever word you want to put there, God says, when you do your part, I'm going to give it to them. Can I tell you why so many things are going undone in our land and evil is running rampant throughout our land? Because you and I are operating in every area, every place that you and I want to operate. And that ain't the plan of God for so many people. I am a firm believer in this. You can do whatever you want to do, but there is only one thing that God has called you to do. And I don't know what that is for your life, but a Joshua heart is somebody that stands up and says, God, I don't want to live my life. I want to live the life you have for me. I don't want to work in my job. I want to work where you want me to work. And you do realize God's not just looking for preachers. God's looking for businessmen that know my business is here to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's looking for mamas that say, you know what? The world may think that I'm just a this or I'm just a that, but I realize down deep on the inside of my bosom that I've been called to a higher purpose and I'm right exactly where I want to be because I'm right exactly where I'm called to be. Let's stop doing this hierarchy thing in the people and the family of God. If you are operating in the place and in the purpose for which you were born, you are just as in the will of God as Billy Graham was when he stood before a hundred thousand people. A Joshua heart has got a recognized destiny. Are you walking in the plan of God for your life? Number two, a Joshua heart is a resolute determination. Watch what he says in verse number five. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. He says, now Joshua Honey bun, you're going to get into your plan and the purpose for your life, and you're going to have people that don't like it. You're going to fight battles. You're going to fight issues. If Joshua had been the, the modern-day Baptist, he would have gotten into Jericho, looked at those mighty walls 14 foot thick, and would have said, I must have missed it somewhere because I'm already dealing with the problem." Brothers and sisters, there are no lollipop rose-petaled paths in the will of God. There's a whole lot of dirt roads and a whole lot of gravel paths and a whole lot of bumps here and a whole lot of slumps there. But that's why the Holy Ghost has promised you that he would be with you. A Joshua heart is somebody that says, wait a second, my mama didn't like it, but this is the path God set me on. And my daddy didn't like it, but this is the path that I'm supposed to be on. And the devil's fighting me come hell and high water, but this is exactly where I'm going to be. And so I'm going to 
keep on walking because this is what God said. He said, Joshua, it's not that no man is ever going to not stand against you. It's just whenever they do stand up against you, they ain't going to be able to keep on standing against you because there's so much power and authority and unction on the inside of your bosom when you walk up against all the forces of hell. You say, get out of my way. I'm on a pathway to the plan of God. And they got to move out of the way. And you keep on resisting the devil. And you move out of the way. And when you start praying and he says nobody cares, you just keep on praying and heaven starts moving. And when your family says, I don't care what you've got to say, you just say, well, God cares what I got to say. And you just keep on moving. And the people come against you. And the things fall through. And the family comes apart. And you say, I don't know why it's doing this. And I don't know why it's doing that. I feel Holy Ghost in my soul right now. But I've got a heart inside of me that says no man is going to stand against me. And so I may come up against the adversary, but he can't stand against me. And you keep on moving. And you say somebody's trying to stop me, but you just keep on moving. A Joshua heart is somebody that cannot be stopped when everybody's trying to stop. Can I ask you, why are we such babies? A bunch of snowflake babies and got tears and whimpers and got to have spiritual Kleenexes all the time. Life is tough. It is a hard road to hoe in the garden of God. There's going to be people that don't like it. There's going to be family members that say you're crazy. I promise you, you ever take a real step of faith, and you're going to have at least 500 people that think you're out of your mind. But a Joshua heart says, God, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I don't know what it's going to yield, but I will not be stopped. You see, Joshua heart, number three, it's also a reverenced devotion. Watch what he says in verse number seven. He says, now, Joshua, when you get into the land, you need to make sure you do one thing. Turn not to the left hand or to the right. Joshua 1 and 8 says this, But this book of the law, which I have given unto you, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. He says, now listen here, Joshua. He said, your children that came before you and the generation that came before you, they got out of Egypt, but I never could get Egypt out of them. Brothers and sisters, Joshua, you're going into the land of the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Amorites and all the other ites. He said, you better make sure when you go in there, you stay on the straight and narrow. I'm going to tell you one of the worst things that ever happened to the American nation. What communism could not do, materialism did it. When the devil could not get us to bow to the red flag, we bowed to the green dollar. One of the worst things that can happen to somebody if you are not anchored down deep is to let blessing flow your way. But a Joshua heart says, you know what? I'm going to be the same with God before I start. I'm going to be with God while I'm in it. And I'm going to be with God after it's done. 
I don't care how many parties I get invited to down at the Christmas time. I'm not going down there and everybody in there peppermint schnapping and in there te- tequila drinking. Anybody sn- uh, drinking the, the shampipple and all that other stuff. I have no idea even what they got in them things anymore. Honey, just give me a Coke and let me bow my head and pray. You say, I don't know how to get out of that. I'll tell you how you get out of that. You go down to when they are down there drinking at the Christmas party and you order you a good hard Coke Cola that ain't got nothing but Coke. Coca-Cola and ice and say, now before we get going, can I just have a word of prayer and ask the blessing of God and kneel down and honey, I'm telling you, you cut into you an old-fashioned church of God, Nazarene snot-slinging prayer. I mean, well, you're in there chainsaw. Heck, God, I tell you right now, come down to this house. I promise you, you won't be invited back. Because a Joshua heart says this. I don't care where I am because I know whose I am. I don't care who I'm around. I'm going to be God's. I don't care what they think because on the inside, there is this anchor that holds you when the winds are blowing to and from. That's a Joshua heart. Brothers and sisters, I'm laboring today, and you and I are living today on the precipice of the coming of Jesus Christ. We are nigh at the door of the prophetic coming of our Lord and our Savior, and we are now living in a Laodicean age where the church has fallen away from the truth of the Word of God and the truth of the grace of God, but we still have a plan and a purpose and a destiny and something that God wants us to accomplish in these last days. No, there may not be a lot of people that are with us. No, there may not be a whole lot of churches that will do what God's calling them to do, but God has still called us to do something and it's going to take a Joshua heart. And I'm looking today at the saints of God and saying, rise up, O soldiers of God. Arise. Get off of the cruise ship and start walking on the battleship and get in the plan of God. Get that Joshua heart down deep on the inside. But in order to have a Joshua heart, it will have to replace a few other kinds of hearts. You see, right now, there are no vacuums in your life. Something is on the throne. If you're going to have a Joshua heart, you're going to have to get rid of a few other kinds of hearts. What kinds of heart? Verse number 9 tells us, number one, the first kind of heart that you're going to have to get away from is a wayward heart. In order to have a Joshua heart, you cannot have a wayward heart. Watch what he says in chapter number 1 and in verse number 9. At the end of the chapter, he says, For the Lord thy God is with thee. Look in your Bible at the word Lord. If your Bible looks like my Bible, it should look something like this. Capital L, capital O, capital R, and am I talking to anybody right now? Anytime in the Old Testament you see capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, it is the translator's way of indicating that is the proper name of God. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It is the Hebrew name Yahweh. Yahweh translated Exodus chapter 3. I am that I am. 
What does that have to do with a wayward heart? Here's what it has to do with. Yahweh, I am, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is the personal name of God. The personal name of God the Father is Yahweh. The personal name of God the Son is Jesus. Now, we don't even know what the proper name of the Holy Ghost is. That's how humble he is. Why would God give his proper name and say, Have not I commanded thee the Lord, the proper? Here's why. I got a lot of titles. I got the title husband. I got the title father. I've got the title pastor. I've got the title son. My daddy's here this morning from, from North Carolina. I've got the title son. I've got all these titles. You know, when I go down to the bank or buy a house or you sign up for a credit card and you sign your name, you don't sign your title on the dotted line. Whenever you go to buy a house, they don't care what you do. The basis that you will honor your contract is found in your name. Whenever you go to buy a house, you better not sign it right, Reverend. They're looking for Tyler Curtis Golden. Why? Because they want to know, are you willing to put your person Behind your contract. Any time in the Old Testament, I'm going somewhere, don't jump off the wagon. Any time in the Old Testament you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it is God reminding the people, you've made a covenant with me, and I've made a covenant with you. Therefore, I want you to know, you don't belong to anybody else. You belong to the one that has stamped his name on your heart. And today, there's a lot of people trying to do the religious thing, but religion does not need to be stamped on your heart. There's a lot of people trying to do the money thing, but you don't need to have a money dollar bill stamped on your heart because money money won't get you into heaven and religion won't get you into heaven and being a Baptist won't get you into heaven and your mama being a member of the local church down there or having been a part of the vacation Bible school that won't get you into heaven the only thing that will get you into heaven is having on your soul the name of Jesus Christ declaring I belong to him and he belongs to me I am a rock rib believer in this one fact that our churches are filled with people that have made professions but there's no fruit to be born alongside that they are a part of the family of God. Brothers and sisters, rich people and poor people go to hell. Good people and bad people go to hell. White people and black people go to hell. Good singers and bad singers go to hell. Preachers and non-preachers go to hell. But there's not one person that's ever bowed down at the foot of the old rugged cross that ever said Jesus forgive me of my sins that ever went to hell and brothers and sisters today if you've never been saved you can try to march in the plan of God all you want but you've never started on the first step the first step to following God isn't coming to church the first step in following God 
is asking Jesus Christ to save your soul. Tyler, how do I get saved? It's about as simple a process as you ever want because the hard part's already been done. On an old rugged cross, the darling Son of God, the loving Lamb of God, the holy, omnipotent, eternal, twice, three times holy, the second person of the Trinity, he died on a cross, was buried for three days, and rose again victorious out of the grave of Joseph of Arimathea, stayed on the earth 40 days, is seated at the right hand of God the Father and there at the right hand of God the Father is making intercession for you and I and he doesn't want you to give a certain amount of money he's not looking for you to be baptized in order to be saved he's wanting you to repent of your sin and bow down and in faith say Jesus save my soul Tyler, how, how do I do that? It is as simple as swallowing your pride. In just a little bit, we'll give this invitation, and you'll see people come and pray all around you for different situations. You step out of your seat. Don't let the person beside you keep you from Christ. Don't let your pride keep you from Christ. Step out of your seat and bow down. Pastor Dave, Brother Brandon, some of these deacons and ladies will come and take a Bible and show you how you can know that you've got the first stage of a Joshua heart because now stamped on your soul is the name of Jesus Christ. I can't stop hitting this point. I am an unashamed, unabashed, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Brothers and sisters, I don't care how wicked you are. I don't care how vile you are. I don't care how many times you've been in church. Jesus Christ will save you, but you've got to get off of your blessed assurance and stop making every excuse under the sun and say, Jesus, I know I deserve to be in hell, but I'm coming in humility and faith. Begging you to save my soul. In order to have a Joshua heart, you can't have a wayward heart. Number two, he said, now Joshua, if you're going to have a Joshua heart, you also got to make sure that you don't have a worried heart. Watch what he says. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. The word be not afraid right there in the Hebrew. I'll, I'll give you the Hebrew f- word for afraid. It is the Hebrew word which means to flicker or to tremble. It's a Hebrew word which means literally to shake and to qu- Have you ever been afraid in your life? I, I'm not talking about boogeyman on the movie afraid. I'm talking about your knees playing Dixie on one another afraid. My daddy's here. He'll tell this is a true story. If God be my witness, this is a true story. I was about eight and a half years old, and I'd been playing soccer that day, and we came home. My daddy was at the fire station. It was just my mother, and we came home, me and my mama and my baby sister, and I was eight years old. My sister would have been four, four or five years old, whatever it was, and we go in, and we come in the side door, and I had a two-story house. And up on the second story, we heard the unmistakable sound of glass breaking. We'd been gone all day. Daddy was at the fire station. Nobody should have been breaking glass upstairs. And all of a sudden, we heard the unmistakable sound of something was hitting something. Let me put it in Tennessee English. Somebody was in our house that shouldn't have been in our house. Immediately, eight years old, I froze. My mama froze. 
a fear hit my young heart like I've never known ever. Brothers and sisters, my mom whispered one word, run. So I ran. Son, I had my little, my little Walmart cleats on. I had my little Walmart shin guards on. Son, I, I, I was a hefty little thing, and, and I, I probably weighed like a good potato sack. Son, I turned right back around. I jumped off the side of that porch. Next thing, my, my mama, she was a coming out the door. My sister was coming. We ran across the street to uh, our neighbor's house, and we went over there. We knocked on the door, and mama said, Somebody in my house! The neighbor said, Ma'am, I think you may be hallucinating. So he gets up. Voight walks over there. He walks around the back. Next thing you hear, pow, pow. Voight hits the deck. He yells, somebody's shooting. Somebody's shooting. He runs back to our house or his house. They call the Gibsonville Police Department. Let me put it in perspective what the Gibsonville Police Department's like. Lebanon police is the FBI compared to what the Gibsonville Police Department was like. Son, the one deputy comes. And Troy, if I'm lying, I'm dying. The one deputy comes. He go, I mean, he's got, his, he's got his Glock on the side. He's going around tiptoeing. I mean, got the whole hat and everything. Got the whole thing on. He goes around this, and all of a sudden, pow, pow, pow. That deputy could not, he was like Barney Five. He could not find a bullet in his pocket. Son, he couldn't even return fire. He, Vietnam crawls through my yard to his police car. He calls in a signal zero, and every cop and deputy in three counties come. If I'm lying, I'm dying. They bring SWAT teams. They, you know that tank that they've got that they bring in when there's a hostage situation? They bring in that tank. I mean, it rolls down our street. Y'all think I'm lying. I'm telling you, it's exactly how it happened. And I'm over there just peering through the blinds. These deputies are scared to death. These SWAT guys, they ain't never seen nothing like this in Gibsonville. I promise you. Hey, I mean, and the next thing we know, the canines come out. They go to the side door of that house, and they make the announcement, you have 90 seconds to exit the house with your hands up, or we're sending the dog in. And they count down. They let that dog loose. That dog went berserk. He lost. I mean, just absolutely. It was... They go in with them shields. I'm telling you, it was the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm scared out of my mind. They're in there for five minutes. I mean, I honest, I have no idea what's going on inside of that house. Those deputies come out five minutes later, and they are hee-haw laughing. I mean, gut-busting, over-the-top laughing, and they got a bed sheet. We had a fireplace with no flue at the top, and a crow had flown down the chimney, got in our house, and he saw his reflection in the pictures on the wall, 
And so we fly in, and that was the crash we heard. And the gunfire, my sister had been to a birthday party and kept the balloons in her room, and that bird was flying into those balloons, popping them balloons. You think I'm, I'm not kidding you. Grown men were quaking for a blackbird. After it was over, those guys were saying, what in the world were we really afraid of? Because they saw the thing that was bringing them fear. One day, we're going to stand in the presence of God. And all of the hosts of heaven are going to stand around. And the old devil is going to be marched out in front of the throne of God. And we're going to look at him in the eyes. And we're going to say, is that really the one that struck such fear in our heart for not taking the land of Canaan and not accomplishing the plan of God? And we're going to realize right then, oh God, why did I not have a Joshua heart? Was this really what I was afraid of? Honey, I'm looking looking at people that have walked through the valley and they've come out on the other side and they've taken that step of faith and you know what I'm saying and they're saying they're saying there really ain't anything to be afraid of because the God that has stamped his name on my soul has promised to give me his presence and if he's with me what do I have to be afraid of there are people in this house right now stop balking and start walking because the only one keeping you from taking Canaan land is the fear in here. You've got to get rid of a worried heart. Number three, and last of all, if you're going to have a Joshua heart, you cannot have a wounded heart. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. The word dismayed, it means to be broken. In a thousand pieces. What in the world, Joshua, would you have to be brokenhearted? I'll tell you what. For 38 and a half years in the wilderness, they'd had funerals every day. Their beloved leader had just died 30 days before that. Several weeks before that, Aaron, he which wore the breastplate of God in the presence of God, had died. And their hearts were broken. He said, Joshua, don't be broken. He said, I know your word, but God, how are we going to take the land when our hearts are in a thousand pieces? There are people in this house right now, your heart has been torn asunder in a million directions. Funerals, sickness, Doctor's reports, children going astray, family turning aside has got your nerves torn in a thousand directions. And he says, how can you take the land when you're so shattered? I heard a story about a little boy. And he asked his daddy, he said, Daddy, can I please go to my friend's house? 
His daddy said, son, he said, they're calling for a real bad snow. I don't want you to walk that far. He said, daddy, please, can I go to my friend's house? He said, son, they're calling for a, a blizzard that's going to blow in left and right. He said, daddy, please, can I go to my friend's house? He said, son, I, I'm afraid that wind's going to blow and you're going to lose your... He said, daddy, please, can I please go to my friend's house? He said, daddy, I can handle it. Daddy, I can make it. Daddy, I'm not, I, I promise you, daddy, I, I'll go straight there. I won't go any... I'll just go straight there. His daddy said, okay, go. Little boy wrapped his head up in his toboggan, got his scarf on, got his little knit gloves, and he started out on the path down the street to go to his buddy's house. He got about halfway there, and honey, the wind started blowing, and the snow started falling, and I mean, it was coming in left and coming in right. He could barely see his little hand in front of his face, and he just kept on walking, and he just kept on going. He said, well, I've come too far now. I can't turn back, and he just kept on walking, and he kept on going. He finally got to the door step of his friend's house and he got up under the little awning and he shook the snow off of his head and he shook the snow off of his gloves and he turned around just to see how far he had come and what he saw was the figure of a grown man that had turned around and was walking back toward the direction of his house. You know what he realized? He realized his daddy had been within eye shot of him the entire time. Honey, I know it feels like you're all by yourself. I know it feels like mom and daddy and everybody's turned there back on you but when you finally reach the destination whereby God's called you to you're going to turn around and realize I made it safe thus far let the winds blow let the rains fall let the thunder crash let the lightning flash let the stormy wind blow I promise you there's a great big God that says I will be with you whithersoever you go you're never alone what if I get hungry he said I'm the bread what if I get thirsty? He said, I'm the water. What if I get broken? He said, I am the healer. What if I lose joy? He said, I'm the winemaker. What if I don't know the path? He said, I'm the way. He said, what if I get confused? He said, I'm the truth. He said, what if I don't feel like getting up? He said, I'm the life. He said, what if I die in the middle of the night? I am the resurrection. He said, what happened if nobody goes with me? He says, I'm a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. What happens if I run out? He said, I can give you whatsoever you need. I am that I am, ladies and gentlemen, the same God that was with our ancestors back there and the same God that brought us up to this point is the same God that's standing on this side of our destiny saying it's time to start walking I'll be with you in the destiny I'll be with you through the destiny I know you're broken hearted people of God I know the valley has been hard and the winds have been strong and the lightning has been bright but there's still a great big God that has told you I'm still with you I'm with you when you go down to the grave I'm with you when you stand in the funeral home I'm with you at the doctor's ward I'm with you at the chemotherapy drip I'm with you when everybody's walked away as a great big God and he says I am with you whithersoever you go. But hear me. He did not say, I'm with you whithersoever. He said, I'm with you whithersoever thou goest. The one thing that will keep you from the presence of God is stopping. I don't understand your mom and your daddy getting sick. But you got to keep moving. I don't understand the death. But we got to keep moving. 
I don't understand my baby dying, but I got to keep moving. I don't understand your husband and wife walking out on you, but you got to keep moving. I don't know why they laid you off, but you got to keep moving. I don't know why it's not all coming together, but you got to keep moving. I don't know why things seem to be just fraying at every end, but you got to keep moving. A Joshua heart says, I'm not stopping. I may be broken, but I'm not stopping. Let's bow our heads this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.